Hi, and welcome to the Get Into Cloud podcast. My name is Coin. So the first thing you're going to notice is we are on video. Today's episode is about uh, high-level designs, about creating high-level designs, HLDs. And to create high-level designs or high-level diagrams, I've got to show you. So this is my first um, video for Get Into Cloud. It may be the last video I ever make for uh, the podcast, but um, I think in order to communicate on a visual medium, you're going to need to see that visual medium. So a couple of things, of course, this is my first video podcast. It's probably going to be terrible. I'm recording outside where I live is very noisy. It's very difficult to record. So I apologize for all of that in advance, but I, I hope this episode will provide a lot of information Creating good HLDs is so critically important to be able to communicate your ideas across. It's it's critically important for the role. And um, when I see HLDs online and people posting on LinkedIn and things like that, there's just a lot of work, a lot of things that can be done just to kind of button up and improve your high-level diagrams, your high-level designs. Um, so I do have a, a disclaimer. Hopefully you can see my screen, but I have a disclaimer, right? I'm going to be reviewing folks diagrams that they've posted. I'm just, I just snatched them right off the internet and I'm going to show them to you and talk about them and kind of critique. And in, and in one case, I'm going to rebuild a diagram from scratch. This isn't to make fun of anyone or make anybody feel bad for the diagrams that they produced. I'm going to critique some of my own diagrams that are older that uh, where I feel like I made mistakes and had a lot of room to improve as well. So this isn't to make fun of anybody or dog anyone out. You know, sometimes you, you throw a diagram together real quick and, you know, you, you just try, maybe you're trying to write an article, you just create a quick diagram uh, for your medium or something like that. So. Um, Again, not to hurt anybody's feelings, but just in the effort so that everyone can improve and make better HLDs. My my start as a mathematician, right? In my in my very early uh, career at school, I should say, I had a teacher whose name was Dr. Lay, and one of the things he taught us is when you were trying to solve a complex problem, one of the first things you can do to help yourself to visualize and understand the pro the problem is to draw a picture so drawing a picture is very important drawing these diagrams very important to help visualize the kinds of things that you want to build in the future but also to communicate that uh, you've no, no doubt heard the saying that a picture is worth a thousand words right you could spend a full day writing a detailed level document that goes through everything that you're going to build step by step or one diagram can showcase exactly what it is that you're going to create. Pictures make things real. It gives you a, oftentimes a point of discussion. Folks can do an initial diagram of something they're intending to build, and then there can be some discussion and back and forth about what the different types of things you might choose, how you might change it to make it better. And um, I think this is why apps like Pinterest and Miro and things like this are so important to give tools for folks to be able to visualize the things that they're thinking about. So it allows you to get beyond words, which sometimes are very hard to communicate with words and get beyond that into pictures, which uh, show 
what it is you're going to build. The first thing you'll notice is that I am in Lucidchart and Lucidchart is probably the most common tool I see for drawing diagrams uh, for AWS certainly but also for Azure and GCP. I will talk a little bit about Lucidchart but I think it probably deserves its own treatment so you'll you'll want to take a look at maybe some YouTube videos or other things along those lines to learn a little bit more about Lucidchart. The very basic on the left side is you have the shapes that you're using. Um, you can see that I've loaded the shapes for AWS. So when you click the more shapes button, you get a laundry list of different shapes that you can load. And you see the old um, shapes from AWS and the brand new shapes from AWS. You see Azure, you can see some circuit diagrams, some flow charts, uh, geometric shapes. They have a ton of shapes available that are preloaded and you can drag and drop your own shapes in here as well um, in order to be able to better uh, to draw out and describe what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then as we go, I'm going to go through some of the some of the tips and tricks that I use when I'm inside Lucidchart to maybe give you some hints on uh, following some of the recommendations that I have. Okay, so what is an HLD? I've already called it an, a high-level design or a high-level diagram. It's a visual representation of what you're building and what you want to build. It's about conveying that information to your audience, about telling the story visually. So the very first thing you want to do is know who your audience is. Just like in a presentation, you would tailor the presentation to the audience uh, verbally. You want to tailor your diagram to your audience. And the first example I'm going to start with is a job interview I had maybe maybe five or six years ago. It was an AWS role where I was going to be building and architecting solutions as kind of a solution architect and presenting those to potential clients. And the first round, in the first round of this interview, they wanted me to build out some diagrams and materials and then I was presenting it to the CEO of this company as if he were a customer CEO at another company. So this was what I built. They had requested that I uh, architect a three-tier solution built on Drupal on AWS. And so the one of the first things I did was build a very high-level diagram which I called the 50,000 foot view of the of the company's architecture with regards to DR and what you'll notice in this diagram is it is it is very high level but this is an executive level diagram right I'm showing the primary data center here I'm showing the DR data center I'm not I, I'm highlighting some of the services that we're going to use in the primary and you know what's going to be available in the secondary and put a little you know some additional details there but it's very light on details and the specific technical details because an executive really doesn't care. In fact, as I was reviewing this for the podcast, I thought maybe the word ELB shouldn't be there. It should just say load balancer and Drupal might not be there. It might just say compute or platform. And then for Maria, it could just say database. And for Redis, it could say cache. Right. So even here, I made I made this probably a little too specific for the executive tier, although the request was to create a three tier architecture with Drupal 
Maria DB and Redis. Uh, but I think even generalizing, I did get into some additional detail there that maybe I didn't need to be. There's tons of stuff missing from this diagram. If you were thinking from a technical perspective, I don't show uh, Route 53. I don't show any of the real like kind of networking magic that happens between these two uh, regions, right? And I don't really show how any of this gets accomplished other than just naming the services there. Uh, so, uh, so this is an example, very high level. I'm, I'm going for an executive kind of briefing understanding of a primary data center and a failover data center and that it's a cold site configuration. So that's uh, kind of my first example. From there, I go one, one level deeper. And so this is the kind of production design where I go one level deeper to uh, show to like the technical leaders, maybe the VP of IT would want to look at this design. And this is just a common kind of three-tier architecture that you've seen. Um, so let's talk about what my recommendations are for, for this diagram and let's talk about where I, where I missed the mark, right? So number one was know your audience and talk about the regional. For the other kinds of recommendations, they are going to be to visually display your information top to bottom or left to right. Most of your readers are going to read left to right, so they're going to be used to flow going from left to right. Most of your readers are going to read from top to bottom, so they're going to be used to diagrams flowing from top to bottom. You should line everything up and be consistent with what you're drawing and displaying on the screen. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit, I'm gonna talk about each of these things as you come up, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk about, I'll talk about the list now and we can, um, we'll go through each of them. We wanna use the current icons. So if you're, regardless if you're doing Azure, AWS or GCP, you don't wanna be using old icons. And it's okay to break the rules for clarity. And sometimes you just have to break the rules because you have to, but generally you wanna kind of Try to keep the keep to these rules, top to bottom, left to right, line everything up and be consistent. Use your current icons. Okay, so right off the bat, you can see that I've broken the rule to kind of go top to bottom, right? I have some a couple of like turns where this guy could he could certainly be up here and you go straight down in. Um, not terrible, but for the most part, the flow here is top to bottom. We have flow coming into the top here, the classic three-tier architecture, load balancer here into auto-scaling group with two Drupal servers. I've added this icon here to show that everything is encrypted. Um, I don't know that it's a great way to show that because I haven't, I probably should have put a legend off to the side to explain what that icon is for. I verbally explained it in the meeting, but someone who's just looking at the diagram might not understand what that means. One thing that I do a little bit different than other folks that might be considered typical is I only have one set of private subnets. I don't differentiate the web and database tier typically. Um, the other thing is this is all very spread out. So this could be condensed more. There's a lot of just open space everywhere where I could have condensed this down a little bit. But it does do a pretty good job of showing the intent. We have some external users. They're going to go to the CDN for static content, for dynamic content. They'll hit Route 53 and head to the Internet Gateway. Now, truth be told, they probably are going to hit 
Route 53 and then either be routed to static content, which would be routed to an S3 bucket. So I could, I could have shown that better. And then if they are going to dynamic content, they would be routed in through the load balancer. So even this is not really accurate for how that should be set up. You don't really go through the DNS. You actually just get um, DNS routes you to an IP address, which then would send you or a, or a URL that would send you to the Internet Gateway. And you'll notice I don't show a bunch of um, lines from the load balancer to the individual servers and then the individual servers to all the items. I kind of just group them. I think of them as a, you know, a cattle, not pets. And so I, I show the traffic flowing into the auto scaling group, which isn't technically accurate, but at least gets the theme across that it's going to, the load balancer is going to split the load across any number of systems that exist inside the load balancer. And those systems are allowed to communicate with the backend systems as well. Redis is redundant uh, because it has that functionality. Maria has an active node in one subnet and a passive node in the other. And I tried to showcase that it's passive by graying it out um, you could also just put that it's a passive node um, there as well so i think i think that communicates it and then at the time there was no like um there was no way to get in with like ec2 instance uh sessions or session manager so a pretty common pattern was a vpn connection that led to a management ec2 instance that would allow you to manage the inside of this environment and then uh, at the end, as you can see, I've gone off the dotted line. So this is actually too big. I needed to shrink this down a little bit. Um, this was a, a back end configuration from a corporate data center. Does kind of break the rule from top to bottom. Like I'm definitely showing like bottom up here. Um, it kind of works because we often think of internal administrators and users as having kind of backdoor access to the environment. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I could have put them up here as well and shown that data center connecting through uh, another VPN here and getting into the environment as well. It, honestly, I had space to do it that way and I would have not had this on the bottom. So even putting it up top would have saved me. I could have squished most of this down um, and, and really fit it inside the space. So a lot of mistakes made. Overall, not bad. I did group a bunch of icons. This is something that I've done on a couple when I just want to show like we're going to use these services. I just pile them in over to the uh, to the side um, and then gives me a point of discussion if I'm reviewing the diagram with uh, with an engineer or architect. I can just run through each of these icons and kind of talk about what's going to be built. But these icons are doing a lot of work, right? Single sign-on requires an IDP and, you know, would potentially give you access to the AWS account. Different than this internal access, CICD is very complicated to be represented by a single icon. And so this might need its own treatment in a separate diagram, which is fine. You know, one of the things you want to do is keep your diagram simple, right? So the the consumer of this diagram where you're showing how external users might come into a production environment would be a different persona potentially than the DevOps engineers and leaders who would want to see how the DevOps platform is going to deploy 
the, the containers or the EC2 instances, for instance, or the code to these environments. So it, it makes sense that this could be its own icon here and then a separate full diagram to give it separate treatment for a separate audience, just like we talked about before. Know your audience for each design. It would be very easy to show to have to blow this out, show a bunch of CI CD tooling on this and systems manager access. Um, you know, you could uh, Amazon CloudWatch alarms. I could put alarms on each of the things and draw arrows from each alarm. I could draw outbound traffic going through the NAT to the internet to get updates, right? So it, it could it's very easy to get these diagrams way busy uh, for things that aren't critically important. Like I think everyone understands outbound connectivity is going to go through these NAT gateways. You don't really need to show it necessarily. So hopefully that makes sense. All right, what else are we talking about? Top to bottom, left to right, line everything up, be consistent, current icons. Okay, I want to give you a good example here. So I ripped this offline. This was a good example. Shows uh, some clean boxes. Everything kind of lines up. The the uh, the this icon is old. I know the the new uh, networking icons are purple, um, but still could just drop in the replacement for that. Pretty good overall. Note they they put the NAT icon here, but they don't show a bunch of lines going up and out of the um, out of the you know, kind of going out to the internet. Got your two AZs drawn here, which is great. Three tagged separate tiers, which is fine. Um, and then even some additional information about the CIDR block ranges for each of these subnets. So pretty good. Some information about the security groups, which is fine. This would be great to show to a technical, uh, to a more technical person about how you would potentially propose a build with even in this case specifically, you have a front-end load balancer leading to a web tier with a back-end load balancer to an application tier, and then the application tier going to the database. So great way to kind of showcase uh, this. The route table icon probably could do without because there's every, you know, every network is going to have a route table, and there, um, there's not any information here that's important about the route table specifically. So probably could have dropped that. There's a lot of free space here. We could squish it up and, and probably compress it into a much smaller diagram, but really liked this diagram. I see a lot of diagram from uh, from folks that are juniors that were that are produced and they're just not great at lining everything up. Now, I, you know, you could nitpick on the, the lines aren't exactly perfect or whatever, but uh, some of that just has to do with snapping and such. And that comes with practice and experience, but overall, really good looking diagram for for a basic like kind of three-tier architecture uh, let me see if i can oh this was a diagram produced by aws which um, i wanted to talk about this is kind of showcasing the ways that an eks cluster could get access consume access consume resources in another account and you know the first thing you'll notice is just even the account like this doesn't line up at the top right and again this is professional aws uh article that i that i ripped this out of um there's a lot of lines here it's very busy uh showing a bunch of subnets all connecting to these things and then connecting to the resources in the other account um i do like their they have good use of color here to differentiate the two different types of traffic um i would say 
in my opinion, the showing of all three of these subnets is unnecessary because there's not really anything different or special about one subnet to the next. Um, so I actually made a redrawing of this, which I will show you. But the kind of the key things I noticed is just the there was no real reason to have multiple subnets. It, it flows right to left, which is uh, not the direction we're kind of used to seeing. I don't love the way these are, are broken up and um, just not very pleasing to have the lines broken in this way. So um, I remade this and this is what it looks like. So as you can tell, I, I did the, it's the exact same diagram, just flipped. And I put the cluster on the left and the workload on the right. And I will I'll kind of flip back and forth so we can see. I just switched around the names of the accounts. I put the S3 bucket, Dynamo, RDS, and Elasticash on the right side. And I lined them up with the uh, EKS Cloud icon and the resource RAM icon, effectively. Um, I got rid of the two additional subnets. So that meant I didn't need to show so many lines coming through to these services. And I kept the color coding. Like I said, I think color color is a very powerful, I should add that in the list actually. Color, color is a very powerful way to communicate activity and to showcase two alternate paths um, from one another. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, it also allows you to showcase here, which they, they do a good job of showing, but it's a little hard to see, right? The blue lines come from the node itself, and then the RAM sharing comes from the actual subnet itself. So that's uh, one thing I wanted to show there. And you can see the blue line comes from the node itself, and then the RAM sharing comes from the subnet itself and goes in there. And, um, you know, so this isn't a perfect representation of that, but it is... Uh, simpler. I liked the idea of also splitting up these, um, you know, splitting these out a little bit and moving this up and putting the red explanation next to the red lines and the blue next to the blue. And I also, I don't love the roll icon, so I just grabbed, um, this is actually the temporary keys icon and I'm using it instead to kind of showcase the roll. Of course, they, I could just grab the hat roll as well. You know, lined everything up, all of these things are the same side. One of the things about Loser Chart, and I'll show you some of these kind of tips and tricks. When you click on an item, you can see this dotted line to the left shows you that they, those are equal on top. And then you can click here, and the dotted line at the bottom shows you they're equal. There's also a line in the middle. I can't move my cursor to show you, but it says 400px. That tells you how many pixels apart it is. But that line in the middle means that they're lined up. Um, and so uh, you can see that these are all lined up. Uh, you can click on one and as you click on one, it shows you that this is lined up at the top. Oh, now I moved it. It's lined up to the top at 100 pixels and lined up at the bottom at 80. And so then you can click the next one. You can see I'm 80 on top and 80 on bottom. Nope, not quite 80 on bottom. I moved it a little bit because of the subnet. But then here I'm 80 away from there on the bottom and you can see I'm 80 there too. One thing you can do is I use, you can use the shift key to select multiple items. So if for some reason, like if for some reason I was building this and this stuff is off a little, like you can see it's not lined up, then you just hold the shift key and then you click each of these items 
and then you right click them and you align them in the center and that lines them up and then you can move this around as a group and use the four of them together to center it and make it look nice inside of the box it's not perfect like I could tell this has got a little more space on the right side than on the left and if I try to move it let's see what I'm oh. all right it will try to move um, the boxes too so then you can just select the two boxes this chart does, does some weird stuff sometimes. So that's better in terms of centering there. Um, and it, it looks like there's more space on the top and the bottom, but the word tends to give you that, that idea there. And still more work. I threw this together real quick, but I feel like it's an improvement, right? This is a very busy, um, with lots of lines all crossing each other. Um, and so this is just slightly more organized and better to see. All right, so I'll give you a couple of other examples. This is a super simple uh, diagram that I created for like a crypto API checker application that's serverless, right? Every minute an event runs, it runs a Lambda, it's gonna check a crypto API, right? So I'm using color and numbers to try to indicate order in which things would happen, right? It's going to get the previous price from DynamoDB, published to events, bridge on number four, if it's or over a certain percent, it's going to send the notification. Hey, go buy some crypto. It's you know it's going up or whatever. And then all the records will get uh, sent to Lambda, and then Lambda would save them into DynamoDB, and so you would have a an event-based kind of thing. You'll notice we we don't really it kind of all runs top to bottom. There are no icons over here or to the left, and uh, with all the stuff on the bottom, and the interactions are on the top. Uh, this is uh, an example of a marketplace uh, diagram that I made for how the marketplace interacts with uh, with the systems that you have to put into place to support being on the AWS marketplace. So you might not be aware of this, but if you get a piece of software on the AWS marketplace, you have to build some tooling in the back end, uh, some serverless items in the back end to support when people click the button to uh, to use the AWS marketplace, and here that you know it kind of just shows how entitlements are processed, and uh, basically the concept is like if you were uh, a user for a particular SaaS product, and then they would understand that you're entitled to have that product and then they communicate with the market marketplace to charge you for that product and then there's some additional interactions with the marketplace specifically if you want to do kind of usage base billing from the marketplace um, but this was pretty good I broke the rule right I have stuff on the right and I have stuff on top I think if um, with more time I could simply just put all of this stuff on the left up top uh, because it's not incredibly different in terms of how that interaction goes i think these these lines here are smaller than the rest so i've broken my consistency rules there so i think all in all with more time i could have uh put this all on top and had like a, a top to bottom spread this out a little bit more and, and be able to go top to bottom instead of top to left not terrible but again it's um, definitely i think is better to, to, to go top to bottom on this. This SNS is duplicated. There's only one SNS service. It could be different queues, of course, but if I'm just, if it's a queue to notify users, 
then I only really need one Q. So this could have just been one Q and uh, I didn't need, I could have pointed the Lambda to that one Q and then pointed these CloudWatch alarms to that one Q as well. So some duplication there that didn't need to be there. Um, that's generally it for, for that diagram. All right, so that's looking at all of some previous diagrams that I've created before, but at the very last one, what I'd like to do is look at the diagram and try to create a new diagram from scratch and basically just rebuild a diagram that was already created from scratch. A couple things about this. Number one, I think I'm going to have to do some, obviously creating a video from scratch takes a lot of time. So I think I'm gonna work to try to speed up the video on, on that part and maybe skip to the main uh, major sections of trying to get the diagram done. And the other thing I will say is that I'm not here to review the architecture of the diagram itself from a technical perspective. The diagram we're going to be looking at is from someone and I, and I actually am going to include all references to these diagrams and their authors in the description. I want to give them credit for the work that they've done. Uh, but this, this diagram is from a gentleman who creates serverless architectures is very much a, uh, an expert in serverless architectures. So definitely not criticizing anything about how to design serverless architectures. Uh, he knows way more than that than I do, but um, want to work on the diagram itself. So this is the diagram. It is a property management tool diagram or an application, serverless application diagram. In terms of the things we want to look at to fix, right? Obviously the lines, it is running for the most part left to right. So that's great. Um, the box here isn't labeled. So I'm not really sure what, what that is encompassing there. We see usage of the very old, the beginning icon for Route 53. We see um, the old Cognito icon. We see the newer management API and EventBridge icons, um, but older, older Lambdas and some other icons. So what we wanna do is kind of rework this diagram for consistency on the new sets of icons, try to line things up so there are less of these um, kind of hook. Uh, actually, I, I know why that this was done, right? When you draw a line from two icons, if you draw, if you were to put this over the top and draw up through the middle, the line would go through the words. So I think part of the reason it, that he's drawing around is to be able to not have to show that there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll run through with a blank canvas and I'm going to get all the icons onto the screen and try to get it organized and then I'll come back and we'll, we'll take it from there.
Okay, I think I'm in a pretty good spot at this point. So, gone through, hopefully I'm, I've been able to get the video to kind of speed up this process. You've, you've watched me go through a couple of interesting things I want to show out for, show from a feature perspective, right? Of course, I, I don't really know a couple of these things about how the property image upload and the static website necessarily works. So I'm not quite sure if this is accurate to the technology. So uh, I, I'll, I'll need some leeway on that, of course. And um, I'm not quite sure if this is all, that all seems to line up. When you click an item, you can see the arrows all around it will, will give you an indication. And you can see like when I click here, I even get an air set of arrows up here. And that tells me that the distance between this icon and that icon is the same as between these two icons. And you can see when I click it, that you can see the same thing there. It's 150 between this icon and the lambda below it, the lambda above it, and then it's 150 from the top lambda to the second one down. So, and visually, most of this stuff looks like it's about the same uh, length away. Um, I could push this out and make it all 150, and maybe that would be a little bit better, but I wanna kind of conserve space as well. I don't wanna make it necessarily bigger than, or bigger than it has to be. So we, we put everything here, we combined everything together. I think I showed most of what was in the original. I did get rid of the perimeter store piece, which is shown prominently, but really isn't, it's really not a part of the architecture per se. It's really more of a authentication mechanism. Um, perimeter store technically is just a subservice in the systems manager. It, it's not really doing anything other than being a reference. So what I wanted to do this was then minimize that, similar to what I did in my other um, diagram, and then just put a legend at the bottom. All lambdas use roles and parameter store to access resources, right? So, you know, it is important that when you're using lambda that you don't put credentials on those items as well. I think I have for the most part, um, I, I replaced the Dynamo DB stream with the with the actual with the icon that they have there. Of course, you can pick any icon that you want to use for these things. And technically, Dynamo DB stream can stream to a lambda. I don't know if in the original architecture it needs to go to a lambda before it hits a event bridge. And I believe there is a direct integration between those now, so it just goes straight to event bridge. But um, Truth be told, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. And I also don't know if in this diagram, it's not entirely clear if these are the same kind of event bridge items. Like, is this supposed to, is this DB stream on the property table update supposed to trigger this event bridge to force these property updates? That very well could be the case. And if that's the case, then... Um, then we would, of course, we would design this differently. Or, or this could uh, call back to here. Wouldn't love that necessarily for, um, for a callback. I would probably push all of this down and have the DynamoDB stream come straight out of the property table here and then push the event bridge here and then have it run like kind of straight down into it and then push over to the side instead. So then I would make this a much taller as opposed to a wider kind of uh, design as well. So some interesting thoughts depending on what the actual architecture looks like and I'm not, not entirely sure so I'm just gonna show it like this for now. Um, 
A couple of other things I wanted to show is one thing you can do, I, I'm using the default sizing for some of these icons, but I did shrink these down. One of the things that's that you're going to need to use a lot, of course, is copy and paste. So once you make a change to an icon, if you, um, you know, copy and paste it, then you know you have the same size as you did before, but you might decide that you want to resize something um, and then maybe you need a totally different icon that you want to represent as the same size as the original icon. And I can show you a really cool trick. You're gonna click the first one, you um, hold shift and click the second one. You right click the one you want to match the size to and you hit match size, both width and height. And now these are exactly the same size. Um, and so they'll they'll line up exactly. So that's that's a pretty neat trick. Uh, I use that a lot. One other thing you may have noticed when I created this, this icon was behind the uh, lambda icon, and I wanted it to show up on top. Sometimes you want things on top. Some things you sometimes you want things behind. Uh, you can just right click and in a range you decide whether you want to push the item backwards or forward. Note that I can't push it backward any farther because it is at the back of it's at the, the back so I can't push it back any further uh, I can only pull it forward um, so that's a couple of additional tricks this icon here I, I mean you can go online usually and find these kinds of icons that you can pull in and import so when you go to import data down here you have an option to import additional icons and I've like over the years I've imported I think a bunch of I think I have a my library down here you can see i've i've got a bunch of icons that i've pulled in for different companies um you know a bunch of older shapes that i've used for technologies and buckets and github and stuff like that so um, a lot of icons uh that you can pull in like the terraform icon i've used that quite a bit i need an open tofu icon to go with it and um so yeah that's that's pretty much it that's all i wanted to cover for this episode really just kind of walk through some of the basics of how to create compelling high level designs i hope this episode was helpful uh, i would love to get your feedback and hear uh, any feedback that you have for that of course always uh, would love for you to like and follow and subscribe and do all the things for this podcast and really it's here to help folks who are just starting in their cloud journey to learn the basics of how to get into cloud, how to grow in this field, and how to continue to advance their career. So thanks so much for listening and watching in this episode. And uh, let's just help everyone get into cloud. Talk to you soon.